Welcome, everybody, to Who's Your Band? I am Jeffrey Paul. I am joined with Sean Morton. How are you, Sean? Did you forget my fucking name? Jesus Christ, I saw you last week. I know, you know, we haven't done this really together like the way we normally do. I was in a club last week, then I did it, you know, I think a show without you, and then you yep. did a show without me. So it's really been a long time since we've done this together. Yeah, I'm good with that, though. We work, we work best separately, even though we're, we're a team. But um, we're going to introduce our guest. I mean, I'm excited to have this guy in because uh, not only is he a comedian, he, you can see him on television. He's also all around great, great guy. Um, I'd like to get to know him a little bit better, so we're going to find out. Let's introduce comedian Mr. Eric Newman. How are you, Eric? Hello. What's up, Jeff? Hey, Sean. Nice to see you guys. Uh, I'm good, dude. I'm good. Um, I'm, uh, it's been a little of a roller coaster of a week for me, but, uh, but I'm, I'm finally like, I have no shows tonight, so I'm just chilling and, uh, it's nice. Well, you had some big news this week, didn't you? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that because um, in case our, I'm sure our viewers have seen it, but in case you haven't, Eric was on the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon. So right off the top, man, I want to ask you, um, what's it like waking up that morning because you're you're like a nostalgia guy, like you're you're an old school guy. You get it. You're an old soul, even though you're kind of like a younger dude. Um, what's it like waking up that morning, going on such an iconic late night show? Like, were you able to sleep the night before? I mean, are you thinking about it constantly until you get to the studio? Walk us through the process. You know, it's so funny, dude. It's such a good question. The thing is, I you know, in some way, I really got lucky. But I'll tell you why. Because I had been approved for the set for about a month. Uh, and they had told me, they're like, you're going to be on the show. We're just waiting on a date now. And then we, so we, so basically I got approved for it. There was two weeks left until the NBC Olympics. So they said, if you don't get booked in these two weeks, it'll be after the Olympics. So I was running the set a million times, you know? Um, and then once I realized that two weeks was running out and it wasn't going to happen until after the Olympics, I go, okay, I have a two week break. I'm going to like emotionally remove myself from the set a little bit. Cause you could really, like you guys know, you can run jokes into the ground to the point sure. that you hate them. They're not getting <laughs> laughs anymore, you know, whatever. So it's like, you need to really feel material. So like, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get the fuck out of here and away from this material for two weeks. So every set I did, I didn't even include those jokes. I was like, let me, you know, remove myself. Then the Olympics ended it was President's Day. I got a, a text from the booker, President's Day morning. Um, the first day they were back shooting again, and he was like, you available tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, and so I only had 24 hours to like get COVID tested at 30 Rock, to like get my guests who I wanted to come COVID tested, get my, and then run that set that night again and like get it back to, you know, like get familiar with it again. I'm actually, I, I really consider myself lucky that I didn't get like a week or two out uh, with a date. And I'm happy it happened so quickly because I didn't want to wake up every morning, go to sleep every night and think about it and be like, oh, this is the date. And then count down every day until the date. I was like, great. It's happening tomorrow. I'll run the set a couple times tonight. I'll get into the mentality. I'll really get into it. And so I woke up that morning and I was like, so happy it was happening like immediately. I like, I didn't want to, I, I anticipation could really kill you, man. Um, and, uh, and so I was really happy and, and yeah. Um, so I, I was, I was, I felt very ready for it. I know. I know I would be the exact opposite. <laughs> I would be, I would be going over the set, even on the two weeks off. And then like by the next morning, I'd be like, like the morning of, I'd be like, I'm going to do a completely different set. I don't like this set anymore. I, you know what? Yeah, I got an hour and two hours of material. And this five minutes is going to make me a star. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to self-sabotage myself. And I'm going to do a completely different set. I'm probably going to curse on national television because that's my potty yeah. mouth. Every comic brings their best five, but I'm going to mic it. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try out just jokes that I have written in my notes app. In my, yeah. on my phone just end every joke with is there anything there yeah we we'll just start doing jazz hands because i have no idea what to do Eric, you're, and you're real close with your mom your mom always wants you really close by i know that's part of like your in, in one of your jokes but um how excited was she to sit in the audience to see her son on the tonight show Dude, she didn't sit in the audience. My mom has a job at Bloomingdale's. She works in fine jewelry at Bloomingdale's. Re recently moved to Scarves, actually. 
so and and she was working and she was like, I can't come. I'm working. And I was like, are, okay, are no you problem. kidding? I swear to God. And dude, here's the thing, though. I had you're allowed to bring four guests with all the COVID stuff. So I found out noon on Monday and had to be at the studio to film uh, 3 p.m. Tuesday. That's a 25 hour window. In that 25 hours, in order for any of my guests to actually be able to show up, they had to get a negative PCR test. It's very hard to get ne- a negative oh, PCR yeah. test for hours. So I actually couldn't even bring four. Two of the guys, two of my other friends who I wanted to bring, they just couldn't get negative tests in time. So like, I ended up having two. Huh. My brother's in Peru right now, so he didn't come. So it's just like I brought a couple comics who are close buddies of mine, Sasha and Ron. They came and they sat at the top of the studio and watched the show, or at least my set. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, dude, it was, and, and to answer your question, Jeff, my mom doesn't even understand any, like, she didn't really like understand. She's like, I don't get it. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, are you like, are you in foul? Like, is Fallon, like, is it happening in person? Like, are you doing it over Zoom? Like, she didn't understand. <laughs> He's got no fucking idea about anything. Like, she doesn't understand. I can explain it to her. She just doesn't grab. And then finally, I think once I, her friends and stuff started reacting to it, like, oh my God, this is a huge deal. That's when she started to really understand, like, okay, I guess this is big. And then when she saw me on TV, she's like, okay, now it all comes together. I understand. Yeah. But she didn't even understand. She's like, well, I don't understand. They book you. Like, how did they see? Like, she doesn't, you know, it's whatever. Um, but it was exciting. I think, I think once her friends started, her friends were like 70, were like, we stayed up till 1230 AM for the first <laughs> time in 47 years <laughs> to watch him. I think she realized, okay, it's like a big deal, you know? Yeah. Moms are great though. But my mom never gave me any credit for comedy. Like I started doing a joke as my closer. It's like a, a insinuation of her masturbating. So she saw me do it once live. And then that she never came to a show ever again. <laughs> and then I got inducted into the Friars wow. club. I get inducted into the Friars club and like, they're waiting downstairs and like, I'm, I get my phone and then she sends me a text and says, okay, this is big. Like I opened the hard rock casino. Like I was the first comic on stage at the hard rock. I did the Borgata for weeks. You know what I mean? I, I find, I bring her for a, a, a cheap meal at, at a fucking fancy townhouse in freaking New York city. And she was like, Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. That no. meant nothing to her. That meant nothing to her until me and Jeff interviewed a guy from general hospital, Sean Kanan. And when I told her, that we were interviewing her. You would have thought that fucking Jesus Christ was walking down my steps. Oh my God. Yeah. You, you got somebody from general hospital. You gotta be kidding me. Oh my God. You, I can't, you act, you're good. Aren't you? You and Jeff, this thing that you do, that's, it's really good. Isn't it working? Yeah. They don't get it. They just don't get it. I told yeah. her before at dinner, I go, I wrote a great new joke about you. She goes, tell me now, because you're never going to see my fucking face in the crowd again. Hilarious, dude. Yeah, yeah. Dude, once, once they realize, once she realizes her, her, her little boy is doing stuff she doesn't want to hear, mm-hmm. it's that she's out. You're done. You know? Eric, yeah. when did you guys watch the uh, the actual, like the first time it was on? With, you know, did you watch it like at your house? Did you have people over? Were you watching with your mom? I watched it. No, I watched it at my buddy's apartment. Dude, I, I'm very... For me, I'm not against the idea of other people doing this shit, but personally for me, dude, the idea of like a watch party where you like invite all of your friends and acquaintances to come out and watch you is like the most terrifying thing in the world to me. I don't want any part of that shit. Dude, I remember one time I used to get, I think twice I got Facebook invites from people who were doing late night, come to this bar. I was like, you want all these fucking people here? Like, I was like, I just want to chill, have a couple drinks, some dinner, Go back to my buddy's apartment and we watched it like four of us. Like we just watched it. And that's the way I do it, it, man. What dude for real? Like, I'm not, dude, I'm not, I'm not playing, I'm not doing that, bro. I don't need to, I don't need to live that, dude. I could just picture I could picture my mom like sitting at a bar, like the scene from La Bamba when Bob is watching, he's all drunk and he's like watching the TV. That's my brother up there, man. Yeah, I'm your Irish uncle too. Exactly. This exactly. is why I like Eric, man. He's he, like I said, he's an old soul, old school guy. You know, it, like it, it's it, it's just another set. You know, it is an accomplishment. It's a it's definitely has cash, but like you know, you, you didn't let the moment overwhelm you. And I, yeah, I, I, I you know, yeah. I really respect yeah. that, man. That I think that's great. Um, let me ask him: Do you do you, do you listen to music like you know, to get yourself all all like you know psyched up? I mean, is music a part of your life? Absolutely. Actually, like usually, so the cellar is my home club. 
So when I, when I, I live on the Upper East Side, right, which is the exact opposite direction of the cellar, I take electric bikes. That's like my thing throughout all throughout the year, like freezing cold temperatures. I like bike riding unless it's like, if it's 10 degrees, I won't, but even like 30 degrees, whatever. So I, I have an electric bike membership. I'll take an electric bike every night that I'm at the cellar. I'll take it from the Upper East Side to the cellar, be there in like 20 minutes. And I always listen to music the entire bike ride. Like that's like my routine. Like it just gets me in a good mood, you know, um, like wind in my face. I love it, man. What do you listen to? So I, I listen to a lot. I, I listen, there's a big variety of what I listen to on the bike ride or whatever, but like certainly like the Beatles, Metallica, uh, Radiohead, Nirvana. Um, these are my bands. These are, you know, I rotate them constantly. I love Arcade Fire and Muse and uh, The Strokes. Uh, I'm a big rock guy. I like hip hop also, but I'm a, I'm a, I rock's my favorite genre. Yeah. Because when I asked you, you know, just give me like a favorite band, you know, you replied with the Beatles and that, that took me by surprise a little bit from you. Yeah. You know, why is that? You thought I was more of a, like a Nickelback guy? No, no. no you any- look more of like a, either a Jimmy Buffett who goes to the concert and wears the flip flops with the fucking beer bottle opener underneath it. That's like one look. <laughs> Or it's definitely more of like a uh, Mumford and Sons. I would, yeah, I was gonna, gonna say if you would listen to like Drake. No, I see, no, no, I can see him. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he hangs out with Eagle Wit, so he's gonna listen to uh, Drake. Uh, dude, Eagle Wit and I have epic battles about hip hop, dude. Epic, epic battles. But but Eagle's one of my best friends. But but dude, I um, I love. So I I feel like I look like someone who liked Dave Matthews band. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I really don't. I mean, I respect him. I think he's a really talented dude, uh, but it's not my style. Oh, all, I hate you know? Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. I think it's lawyer music. I've seen it a few times. It's weird. Like my 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 friends like met at a Dave Matthews concert, and like she told me the other day, like six more shows, and it's two hundred shows for her what to a see waste Dave Matthews. Time and money, unbelievable. Dave Matthews, you know that's how you got to give him credit, man. Like he's one of those him. And uh, and Pearl Jam yep. seem to be those artists, and Fish, and I hate Fish. I Me too. Seems to be those artists that people will see a thousand concerts. Yep. I mean, like that's not like that's right. Like I love Metallica. I fucking am obsessed with Metallica. I even like I was talking. Me and Dan Soder were arguing about this the other day. Like because I even like I, my buddy Mark always said, you know, Mark Gerber, Jeff. Ah, man, I remember Mark Gerber from years ago when I ran the open mic at New York Comedy Club. That's I I haven't seen Mark Gerber in years. Yeah. So that's my that's that's one of he's probably my I know you're good friends with Dan Altano. Dan Altano is one of my best friends. I used to see him around, too. I love Dan. But but dude, Mark, Mark fucking he used to always be like, you need some shame. You need some shame because I'd I'd go around to Metallica fans. I don't know if you guys are Metallica fans or yeah. know much about. Sure. Them. Do you like Metallica? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I know everything. Oh, yeah, you love him. Yeah. OK, <laughs> he's okay. pretty. He's pretty uh, so, yeah. So I I defend Load and Reload, which is sacrilegious. fucking great albums, dude. I like them. I like them. I love them too. I, like, I love Saint Anger. I think the song Saint Anger is a bad. I think Frantic is one of their best songs. People, I, I mean, they, I, can't, they, I can't go as far as best, but I do like Frantic and Saint Anger. I do yeah. and some kind of monster. They're but great like, records. We were. I was talking about Metallica yesterday, like about the progression of life, like with a musician. Like, do you want Kill 'Em All? Forty years in a row. You don't you're, want that. You're a sixty-year-old man doing Kill 'Em All. I mean, let's oh. let's grow up. You know. Oh. Yeah, someone don't yeah. wear Blackhawks jersey. Metallica lost me after Ride the Lightning. Not Are you fucking kidding me? Yes, even, I'm kidding you. You can't even appreciate Black Album? I love the Black Album. Black oh, Album no, is a very underrated album in, in a way. Yeah. And people say, how is it underrated? It's because people took a different turn with Metallica for that Black Album. If any other band put that album out with a different name, it's the biggest metal album of all time hands down but because it got it was metallica and it was that big changeover to the more commercial we, also hey, we, cut cut our, hair. we cut our hair you know now it's a big radio friendly song now we have five singles off the album they shit on them it's a fucking masterpiece oh it really it's it's, oh no, no no it's the best dude if i have to really be honest the black album is their best album like it's just it just it's just they just evolved yeah, they, they slowed down fine, and they're not. They weren't this like, they weren't quite at the heavy metal pace they were. They slowed down, but but they evolved. I mean, dude, 
you can't say, I mean, nothing else matters. First of all, Wherever I May Roam is my favorite Metallica song. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. I think Wherever I May Roam is a master killer song. Unbelievable. Sean, like, what album is Till It Sleeps on? That's Till It Sleeps on Reload. Yeah, I think that's a load. Sorry. I think that's their last great album. No, Reload's a good album. I mean, Death Magnetic is a killer album, too. I Hardwired. Like I thought Death Magnetic. I thought Hardwired was good. I like Death Magnetic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I still favor, like, you know, Ride the Lightning and Justice for All over over all the other, you know, the later sure. years. But but I like what they did. I mean, you know, they they changed and they evolved. And I think as an artist, like, how could artists not appreciate that? Like, Dan Soder and I were talking about it. He's like, he got on stage, actually. I brought him up, and he got on stage, and he was like... uh he was like, you fucking believe that Eric likes reload or whatever? Like, he was like, I was like, yeah, but like, as an artist, you have to like, under, you have to appreciate the fact that they're trying something new and they're changing. And like, like, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to do the same exact thing for 40 years. I mean, you know, anyway. It works for but, Iron yeah. Maiden. Yeah. Or your act. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I haven't changed. I haven't changed my act. I'm, I still say, so uh, I just turned 30 and. Uh, <laughs> What do you think about friggin' Gerald Ford, huh? <laughs> Why Gerald Ford? Oh, no. you, you guys are how long in comedy? How long have you guys been doing comedy? I'm 14 and 14. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm about 12 years in. All around the same, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a long road, dude. It's a long road, but like it's, you've it's put the time in. Like you've you've actually put the time in. And that's one thing I appreciate. Like for you to get a late night spot. You know, when I see people who are fucking TikTok users who I've literally just saw this the other day. This guy, oh, I got seven million followers on TikTok, and this guy's headlining a goddamn club and admitted he's only done stand-up like three times. Yeah, but he's gonna bomb and then they're not going to come back and see him again i know but he's still he's still making i i went on a fucking tirade the other day about this this real housewife one of those housewife shows and like uh one of the husbands is is headlining all these clubs across the country and he's bringing solid comics to open up for him like he's bringing tammy pescatelli who's had multiple specials great tammy's great is opening for this guy and i I watched the video from caroline's when he headlined caroline's and he bombed. I know. Do you know what though, dude? This, this is the oh. thing, man. It's like as quickly as you could become famous or or known off the internet, uh, equally quickly your career could end. I agree with so, that. So 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 they think they're like, oh my god, we try. I love, you know, and I have a big TikTok following now, and it's helping me on the road a lot. But I am so fortunate and happy. That I like, I feel like we're the last generation of comics mm-hmm. that just wanted to get past the clubs. Like right. that's what you want to do. You wanted to fucking get past great clubs. That you know you wanted to go up there and you wanted to do showcases and you wanted to learn how to get really good. And so these people think they're skipping the step. They're just like, oh, I skipped this whole process. Like I just got a viral video and now I can. You have to be able to deliver on stage, and that is the most important thing. So yeah, sure, people people will come out. They will not come back and they will so quickly write on Twitter and all the shit or, or TikTok or Instagram. This was terrible. This was a waste of money. He sucked. He didn't know what he was doing. He looked not confident. Like they're going to report all that shit back to the internet and that's going to get out there. And all of a sudden your ticket sales are dropping every city you go. And that's it. And that's the end of your career. Do you guys think in 10 years from now, you're going to remember or these guys are still going to be doing it? No, I don't think in two months from now. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's, there's a certain thing, like you, you see these like nostalgia tours, right? And that's just kind of what I was going with. Like, if you look at like the freestyle music, this was a popular for like four years, but it was a pivotal four or five years where like people my age and Jeff's age were really into it. And 40 years, 30 years later, 30 years later, they're still selling out these goddamn clubs because you know what? There was still talent behind it. You know, there's still there's still some sort of integrity, even like the boy band shit, like these girls were 13, 14 years old, like b- wanting to blow every fucking new kid on the block and Backstreet Boy. Now you go to a concert. It's the same girls that were there at 13, you know, 13 years old, it's 40, it's 30 years later. Now they just want to give these guys a hand job behind the freaking stage. But they are there because there was talent there. So I agree. I think it's like a few months and then they're done because you got to You got to be able to still back it up. Exactly. So I was like, I was like, everything like 
like I've considered it a very long road for me. You know, I've been performing every single night for 13 years, pretty much. And like, I was like, and, and I saw people get late night sets that I was like, fuck, I want that, you know, whatever. And I'm just glad it came when it did, because I wouldn't have been able to deliver the set I did four years ago. I just wouldn't have, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had the confidence. I wouldn't have had like the ability to do that. So it's like people who are trying to rush and get their first men. That's, that's a bullshit philosophy. I, I, I really oh, do how it works out. I remember being like maybe a year in maybe a year. In, and I said to a friend that was booking me, Hey, uh, I'm going to record my, see my first CD he laughed in my face. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, yo, I got a lot of material. I recorded three different CDs over the span of 10 years and never released any of them because they were hot garbage. And I'm even wow. talking 10 years in, I was still, and I was doing well, you know what I mean? But like, I jumped the gun. I was not ready. No, 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 I get it. But you know what though, dude? It's like, it's like, you know, I see new comics come in now, right? And and it's not the now they you can be a new comic, have like have like a hundred thousand followers on TikTok and have never gotten on up before. So you come in with a little bit more confidence, right? You're like, oh, I have a hundred thousand people in an watching. audience that's there to see you. Right. And they haven't seen you. I I don't I don't hate on them because they just don't know. They don't get it. But they're gonna get up there. And they're going to bomb in front yeah. of regular audiences or their audience. It doesn't matter because you can't beat time in comedy. You're either a seasoned comic or you're not. There's no, there's no way around it. So it's like, they'll start to understand that. So it's like, you, you thought, you thought like, all right, I was doing pretty well. I'm a year into comedy. Like I have this material. Let me do it. You didn't have the foresight to know like, no, but in 10 years from now, I'm going to be 20 times better than I oh, am. Oh, sure. Now. Like now I'm ready. Like now I know. I'm ready. I got the producer ready to go. I'm getting the venue set up. You know, like I have the, I have all the material, you know what I mean? So right. now I know I can bring that on the road with me. Yeah. But it and took, it took 14 years. Yeah. But dude, I, I didn't record my album until 2018. I was already 10 and a half years into standup and it's wild to me how people think they're going to record albums after two years. Like, yeah. like even Chappelle or Louis, Guys at the highest level of brilliance in comedy, like they wouldn't have put out a great album in two years. Yep. Like, who the fuck are you? You know? And 10 years later, you're buying a Staten Island ferry. <laughs> exactly. exactly. A lot of these guys that are these TikTok uh, folks and, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the soap opera guys who I've worked with on the road, um, a lot of it isn't even really comedy. It's more like a TED talk. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll come up with like a, a laptop and they'll show pictures of maybe a scene that they did or something. And they'll just discuss about what's going on and maybe take some, some answers from the crowd. I remember one time, Eric Voss and I did the Gramercy Theater with Lenny Dykstra and Lenny was the headliner. And it was basically him talking to the audience. He's not doing stand up. Oh, dude, I did it with Mick Foley when Mick Foley was getting on the road. Like I had worked with him on a roast and he bashed me on my on my space. This is how far back it's going. He wow. bashes me on my space, claiming that I wasn't doing uh, I wasn't being a comedian. And then like fast forward, like two years later, we're doing some shitty gig on Mulberry street in the middle of little italy i'm getting paid a hundred dollars and he got like five grand to do the goddamn show and all he did was tell stories about being on the road and sleeping on people's couches and you know who i rode in a car with and it wasn't even comedy he's not so so does he suck i, I don't i don't even i've never seen him i see his name on stuff he's, I, I don't i i just have a personal thing with him i think he's i think he's full of shit i think he's a piece of shit Okay. And I've, I've said it, I've, I really have said it to his face that he's a piece of shit, but he has worked on it a little more where it's more funny stuff instead of just telling stories to wrestling fans, much like, you know, Jeff doing that show, Lenny Dykstra, he's going to have a, a room full of fucking Mets or, or Phillies fans in there wanting to hear stories or the soap opera people, these, you know, sex starved fucking housewives who want to come out and see these people. But you know what, though, dude, this is what I realized. And Seinfeld always said this. And, I, and by the way, I think Seinfeld in some ways is super arrogant and like, I don't, sometimes I'm not really a fan of how he comes off, but he's obviously a brilliant comic, but like, he always said, like, there's, they give you the, um, it's called, uh, the, he used a phrase, I think it was the, the, uh, the free five, which means if you're like a celebrity or someone yes. that people like, with a five or was a four, 
think the free five minutes, yeah, something like that. We're like, we'll give you five minutes to prove to us that that you're that we should enjoy you. Like, like you know, whereas guys that aren't famous, they get on stage, they have to prove themselves immediately. Yeah. A celebrity or somebody that somebody that's say they get five minutes. They're like, here's five minutes on the house. To, to prove to us that, you know, we're going to laugh. We're going to laugh. Like, you don't have to prove it. We're here. After five minutes, there starts, if they're not delivering, the audience starts turning. Yeah. Like, they're like, they're like, they're like, all right, like, we don't really care anymore that you're a celebrity. Like, this, they're looking at not, their phones, they're talking. We're, we're not enjoying this. Like, <laughs> it's just, you're not, you're not being funny. So I've been, I've been I, in the room for that. I, you know, at the cellar, seeing Chris Rock do it. At yeah. Gotham, Louie going up with notes. And like you're right. They 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 get the courtesy of the first four or five minutes. And then if it's not good, like Rock wasn't good and Louie was average, you know, but you can see that clearly working out stuff. And by the way, brilliant, dude. I, I saw Chris Rock the other night at the cellar, dude, and I thought he was like really incredible. Well, but, he's got the tour coming out now, right? Yeah, and it's gonna be amazing, dude. His new material is amazing. But I have seen Chris like Chris really mics it at the cellar. So like He'll go up with notes and like he won't even try to like Chris Rocket. He'll just be like sort of like subtle, like like he'll just be quiet and soft spoken and just sort of see if the concepts are funny. And he'll really be honest with himself and be like, you know, which I love and I admire so much. But it's a little bit of a brain fuck that you're seeing one of the greatest comics of all time, like not doing that well, like really yeah. not doing that well. And, and the audience kind of being disappointed in it. But I admire him so much because he's like, I need to work this stuff out. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, this it's is my crazy. process. And I love when I go out to LA and if I go to the comedy store or something like that, and you'll see like the lineups there are just ridiculous. It's like, you know, Sebastian Maniscalco goes up and then it's Mark Marin, And then it's like, you know, Andrew Santino. And then it's like seven or eight bangers in a fucking row. But doing 15 minutes and you're sitting there and you know these guys have multi-million dollar bank accounts and these guys are on top of the world and you're watching them die a slow painful death because yeah. they're all working out new material and it makes you feel yeah. good about yourself in, in some weird way because like you're you, you know what they're going through you because you realize i think we grow up remember the only time you could see a chris rock or a louis when you're growing up as like a regular person and not a comic is if you go to MSG or the vegan theater or whatever. And by this point, they're already, they already have a really polished new punchy hour. So it's mm -hmm. like, it's like, or, or HBO special or whatever. Like at that point, it's already done. The work is done. But, but, but so, so you assume like, like some part of you really just assumes like, uh, okay, well they, that was easy for them. And you didn't realize like how many bombs had to go into creating that. Right. Sure. So it's like, and now we're comics and we work with some of these guys and we get to see the behind the curtain thing. And it's, it's weird. It's the tedious process. It's like, it's kind of a brain fuck a little bit. Oh yeah. You know? I, rem I remember being like 16 going to my junior prom. And of course you do the after prom thing and you go to the city and you see a comedy show. And I was at Dangerfields, And I remember Chris Rock bumping everybody because he was running his hour for never scared. Wow. So I saw I, I saw that before it was ever on HBO. And I've always been a fan of comedy. I can remember just sitting there just going, wow, this is one of the most amazing things I ever heard. And then like six months later, it's on HBO and it was completely different. It was like ha half the set was completely different. So yeah, now yeah. you take a step, you take a step backwards and it's like 30 years later. Now I'm a comic and I know what it's like just to get a five minute chunk. Perfect. It take you a year. Take you yeah, a fucking year. It's always changing. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, that, that's the thing. It's like, it's like when, when people, we talk about joke thieves, right? Like people will be like, well, what's the big deal? It's like the big deal is I put my fucking soul into this to try to get this bit to work. So <laughs> if somebody's ripping me off for it. Like that is a huge deal. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Um, I had it happen as I was on stage coming off hosting for somebody who was a big comic and them saying to me, that's a really good joke. I'm going to use that. I go, no, you're not. And then yeah, do it on the same show. But on the same show. Anybody who knows anything about comedy knows exactly who you're talking about, too. Um, oh. So, so I mean, and he's, by the way, look at that, right? Talking about the, get there first, right? Your name might not stay. He was the one who got, I mean, he got, that guy had more success than anybody for a long time. And he, he, got, he got successful young. 
and Rogan, that whole Rogan thing with, uh, with, I think it was, uh, that whole Rogan thing just really, really destroyed his career. Yeah. You know, um, you saw that Rogan clip, right? Oh yeah, oh, of course. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Mencia. I'm talking about somebody different. Oh, you're not talking about Mencia. No, I'm talking about somebody different. Oh wow. Okay. But a Mencia yeah. type. Big, big comic, very big comic. Yeah. And we had uh similar um, managerial people. Oh, so I, uh, I, I know who you're talking about. You know, uh, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. Very, very Ginzo. Yeah. But Sean, you know, uh, you know, Comedy writing is kind of like an accordion because you write a lot and then you shrink it down, mm-hmm. then you tag it up and then you may cut something out because, the, and then, so I think it's, you know, your jokes, even though you may be doing some of the same joke for five, six, seven years, you're constantly adding and, and deleting from it, you know, oh, yeah. you're throwing in a new reference here and there. Dude, so I, had I, think always, I think it's always a fluid thing. That's a great reference actually, because I, I, I had a joke I did 12 years ago that I brought back because I did a whole co I'm doing a whole COVID chunk. Oh, now. by the way, I'm sorry to cut you up, but the, that's why you don't throw anything out. I never throw anything out. I still have a joke that I'm dying to use on stage. I've done it seven times. It's bombed seven times. I still think it's the greatest joke I've ever written in my life. And I'm never throwing it away. Because at so one then, point it will work. So then, you just, then you just have to figure out, then you just have to figure out what's wrong with it. Like, like that's, that's the fun part of the whole yeah. thing, man. I, I had this bit, I had this bit that literally on paper, I was like, I know for a fact, this bit is so good. And and it wasn't doing well. It just was not doing well. And I asked one of my buddies, my comic friend, Ryan, I was like, what's wrong? And he just goes, you just have to pause. He's like, yeah. you just have to, which is crazy that that, I literally was just delivering the joke, like, ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. And he was like, go, ba-bum, ba-bum, pause, ba-bum. Like, mm-hmm. they needed time to process it. And I was like, wow. Like, I never would have known that. I never would have recognized that. And that... Sometimes it's that easy of a fix. And sometimes it's a way harder fix. Most of the time. Isn't that crazy? And it could take you sometimes months, weeks, even years to figure out that one beat. And that's why you run the set. Like Seinfeld said, hundreds of times, a hundred times before you know this is going to work or not. Jeff, you've seen it. My my closing bit that I do about Pittsburgh, the, the traveling bit. Same exact thing. I would do the joke and it would get laughs and I I stopped it. I stopped it dead in its tracks. I waited four seconds and then I do the punchline. And now it's a monster closer just from waiting that making that little Crazy. tiny pause. You're exactly right with that. Oh, it's so hard to figure that out sometimes. It's yep. so hard to figure that out. Um it I the thing I always forget, and I try to remind myself about this all the time, is like the audience is not gonna think as fast as I do about my own jokes. Like they're going to need more time, especially when you go to some places in the middle of the country where these people are mm-hmm. fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, There's a difference between running your jokes in uh, New York city and running it somewhere like in Ohio or Iowa. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so I was like my, and as a New Yorker, I grew up in New York. I've been here my whole life. I talk very fast. And the thing I had to really realize about traveling the country and now I'm touring a lot is I have to slow down for these people. Yeah. Like, are you able you know, to do that? Yeah, I do. I just pause more. I take my time more. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it was a challenge at first because I'm just so naturally, I've been talking at this pace my whole life. I haven't been talking at this pace my whole life, but that's right. what you have to do when you're on the road. Did yeah. you guys see the uh, Dick Gregory special, the documentary? No, not yet. If you get a chance, check it out. And there was one thing that Chris Rock said about um, Dick Gregory, which I, resonated with me a lot. And, you know, you know, Eric, I, I kind of relate to you with the talking fast. I'm the same, same exact way. But Dick Gregory was very, very deliberate on stage. He would come out. He'd sit down on a stool. He'd take out his cigarette. And then Rock goes, he never felt like the audience was being pulled or taken away from him. And I think sometimes like when we get on stage, you're like, yo, we're, maybe because we, we're in New York and we're doing 10, 15 minutes, if you're lucky, per set, yeah. you know, you kind of feel like, hey, you know, I got to get all this stuff out. I got like 20 minutes worth of stuff and I got to do it in 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, that's, and that, you know, it's so funny, man. So I, I ran my original late night set had one more joke at the end of it. And I was speeding through the set. And the booker was like, dude, just cut end on the joke before that. Like, like you want to pace yourself. Like that's so important. It's funny. You could really do the same 
set, same exact amount of jokes in five minutes and 10. You really oh, yeah. can. Oh, Which absolutely. Is- Jeff will tell you, like, I'm not a city comic at all. I never, my path was very, very different in comedy. Yeah. I was on the road in six months hosting. Like I was just very, very different. So if I ever do go into the city, it's it's a couple times a year. And when they go, all right, look, we're going to give you seven. All right. Can, can you do that? I'm like, yeah, I, I can do that. You oh, know, like, oh. it's like, and I don't know what to pick anymore. That, that's the biggest problem. And I can't read that room. Like, I remember, I think I told you this, Jeff, I was opening for uh, Jeremy Piven when he was doing a a club. Right. And he was just the most obnoxious prick I've ever worked with in my life. Doesn't ask any questions to you or anything like that. He looked at me. Now I'm not tooting my own horn, Eric. All right. But I I have a lot of material. If you told me you need me to do an hour and a half, I'm going to give you an hour and a half of material. He walked up to me and goes, can you do 10? And I go, I'm going to try, buddy. I'm going to try. I got, I got to tell you, it's so funny. You mentioned him. So stand up New York used to book him for these like one nighters kind of thing. He would do like a one nighter on a Thursday. And they, they booked me on the show and they booked me to follow him. And this was like four years ago or something. I was a little nervous. I was like, fuck, I'm following Jeremy Piven. Like it's definitely his crowd, whatever. He was the easiest celebrity follow. Yeah. yeah. No question. So easy. They were like, Oh my God, a real stand up comic. Like, You know, like I would just remember, I just remember thinking like, this is too easy right now. Yeah. He <laughs> like, was a real dick when I opened uh, the second night. He was like, listen, um, I know you did 15 last night. Can you cut it down to eight? Cause I'm going to cut 15 off my set. Cause I'm really just not, I'm not in the headspace to do it tonight. So if you could just do eight, I'd be great. I did 24. <laughs> just to fuck with him. Cause he was, I was already paid too. So I just wanted to fuck with the guy. He, he asked you to do old Kobe number and you did new Kobe number. Bingo. That's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. He was a real dick. Hey, Eric, let me ask you something. So you're, you've, you've been in the cellar for a little bit now and how, how do you make the adjustment from, you know, fo- you know, following someone like, like, like this happened to me this past weekend. Um, and I purposely wanted to follow Derek Gaines. You know, I think yeah, Derek is great. I think he's great. I think he's a monster comic. You know, yeah. he's 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 you know an urban comic. You know, and and it's like when an urban comic kills, it is like you know that is a tough follow. And yeah. I wanted to, I wanted that challenge. Okay, I love that you did that, dude. I love that. I used to always do that. I used to always be like, if something scared me, I tried to address it as quickly as possible. Like I was like, that scares me. I felt it. I was like, I don't want to follow Chuck Nice. So I was like. Put me after Chuck Nice because I got to figure it out. You're you're gonna have to do it sooner or later. You might as well. So how did you how did you make that adjustment? Like you know, or was it an adjustment for you to go from say like following someone at the strip or the grizzly pair to the cellar where everyone's a killer? I mean, I mean, it just dude. I watch these guys. It just raises the bar so fucking high. Does guys are just fucking. I mean, you're watching like a tell and. And uh, just Goldman and and uh, Bobby Kelly and uh, Nikki Glazer and just I mean these fucking just great Greer and Godfrey dude Godfrey Godfrey is on another planet dude very underrated comedian oh my god like he is a fucking like that guy is he's got to be one of the scariest acts in the history of comedy to follow I, I mean that have, guy did is, you have to follow him. I've never followed Godfrey, but but he's a absolute machine yeah. of a comedian. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how talented he is. And he does voices and he he's so charismatic and he's just so skilled and everything. And he's he's a funny thinker. And you know, he's just great jokes and great act outs and impressions and smiling and just there's just it's just insane. You know, um, so yeah, but but dude, the thing is, is like, so for example, I hosted the seller also. So I like there was one night where it was uh Kevin Hart, Aziz, and Louie back to back to back. Jesus Christ. And then and then Wow, what a great night. It was amazing. And then God, there's a point where Aziz and Kevin Hart were on stage together, fucking around, and Godfrey was closing the show. Um and they wanted so so Kevin Hart has a huge posse. Like like he everywhere he goes, if he's doing a spot, fifteen people are in the room with him. And and so, so he's, he's also the nicest guy. Comic. 
He's a bringer guy. Fifteen <laughs> to get up. He needs fifteen. They said if you bring twelve, we'll give you a couple minutes less. You know, whatever. <laughs> but he um so so he so his people come down. They're in the back of the room or whatever at the cellar, and and the manager says to me, uh, when Kevin wraps up, his people are going to all leave. And I don't want you to bring Godfrey right up because I don't want him going up with like 15 people are leaving the room and there's noise and whatever. Just do like five minutes. So they had just seen Louis, Aziz, and Kevin Hart back to back to back. And now she's like, do five minutes after. So you're and resetting the honest, table. I was scared. Like I was like a little scared about it. I was a little nervous. I was like, oh, uh, like I remember when she told me that I was like in thinking in my head, like, is there any other solution here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, like I really was like a little scared about it. And then I was like, you know what? Don't be a fucking pussy, bro. Just go up there and have fun. Like, and I ended up like doing great after all three of them for like five minutes. I did jokes. I did some crowd work and, and the audience was all in. And I was like, good. I was, I felt so good about myself. Cause I was like, I was, I think older me, maybe five years ago would have tried to find a way not to do it or would have pussied out or something or be like, Oh, how about like, I just like, you know, like, how about we give the other comic, we throw up a five minute guest spot or something. Like, I would try to get out of it because I'd be too scared yeah. to do it. And I was so, I, and it was a moment where I was just like, I'm past this shit. Like, I'm a professional comedian. Like, sometimes you're going to have to follow Aziz, Louis, and Kevin Hart. Like, that's what being a professional comedian is, is, is rising to the occasion of things that scare you. And so, like, I was like, great, you know, like, like, let, bring it on, you know? Dude, are you a competitive guy? I'm very self-competitive, very, very self-competitive. I, I always want to do better. I always want to look at myself and be like, how can you do better? I think I used to be more competitive with other comics. And I think I've channeled that into a very self-competitive nature instead, mm -hmm. which is way better, dude. Because honestly, all you should be comparing yourself to is you a year ago, you two years ago, you six months ago, you yesterday. Not like what this motherfucker is getting or he's getting or he got that and I want that. That's that's negative. Positive is I was like this yesterday. I'm gonna be better than this today. That's positive, right? So I'm trying to really stay in a positive mindset. I let all the jealousy shit leave. Like I really made and, and dude, by the way, I'm a jealous person. So I had to make a lot of effort over years to do this. It's hard, man. It's very hard. It's maybe the hardest part of comedy in some ways. And like I made a choice to just be like, that's something they got. It's not mine. There's plenty of opportunities for me. I don't have to be mad about it. They worked hard. Good for them. I'm going to focus on me. And, and that's, and that's really helped me a lot, man. And it's helped me on a, in a psychological and emotional level on a daily basis. You know, it's made, it's made me feel healthier as a person. I always tell, you know, I've, I've had a couple people that I really, I don't want to say mentor, but like they would look up, you know, they would, I would bring them on the road or whatever. And yeah. the first thing I always tell somebody is they're like, you know, what's your, what's your advice if you want to be a comic? And I never tell them, you know, right, right, right. You know, go take a class. But I always say, be a good person. And they don't understand when I say be a good person, because we all see the constant backstabbing and the lying and the bullshit that we go through. I don't ever think I've done that. And I've always stood by my morals and said, being a good person. And I've had a lot of uh, opportunities come to me just by doing that. You know, I, again, talking about bad experiences, like, you know, my, one of my goals was to play the Borgata. I wanted to play the Borgata. My friends were doing it. I thought it was a great thing. People were telling me, you're not going to do it. You're too young. You're only in it seven years, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, no problem. And when I got rid of those people from my professional career, I just was like, Hey, I met you here, blah, blah, blah. Do you mind if I, you know, send you my tape? He goes, you don't need a tape. I know how you are. You're a good person. Give me your avails. And then three minutes yeah. later, I got my first week. So it's just about putting that positive fucking energy out there too and leaving that negativity behind a hundred percent. Totally. I'm not, dude, I don't, I don't talk like, like to me, the biggest waste of energy, like, like the mental energy that you could be using talking shit about other comics or like feeling like, fuck that guy. I deserve this more, blah, blah, blah. Could be used into writing a joke, into shooting an email, into going to a club and working on another bit. Like those are, those are more like, Every, every emotion I feel or every thought I have, I try to use to better my career and not, and not, you know, like, 
like if you want to be that fucking loser who just sits around feeling sorry for yourself and shit talking everybody who's trying to do, do good work and trying to like move their career along, then that's you're the loser in that. You're the loser. Absolutely. That's 100% right. I got to say, three of my favorite young comics, and the thing that they all have in common are that they're positive people. They are hard workers and they don't expect things to be given to them are you, Eric, Charles hey. McBee, and Eagle, Eagle Wit. Um, I've worked, you know, with uh, Eagle and Ch I work with Charles a lot. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed by all three of you because, you know, there are a lot of people who like who you, what you just said about people being jealous and that, you know, and, and, and that toxic, you know, that toxic environment that, that people talk and like the shit talking and, and that, and that's such an underrated term too, shit talking and, 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 and nothing good comes of it. I mean, it's fun when you're kind of busting on 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 a, on a long drive, yeah, yeah. And, and you're like, you know, this guy, whatever. Dude, I'm at the point. I, I put it this way: ten years ago, if I heard people talking shit, I would want to join in. If I hear people talking shit now, I walk away from it. I don't need to be around that. I don't need to be around your negative shit. Like, I have enough. Like, this business is hard enough. Like, I don't. I don't want to be a part of it. I, I just don't want to be part of it. You I have know? such ADD to begin with, with like my set. And not having any fucking idea where I'm going to go any time of the night that I'm going to be on stage. I don't have any space left in my brain for any kind of bullshit like that. Exactly. Exactly. And, and by, by the way, give it up to the people who just like, if you're hardworking and you're funny and you get things, you earn them. Like, yeah. and, 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 and give it up, give it up for that. Like, like, like what kind of world are we living in where we're not going to give, we're not going to re recognize you know, that the things people deserve are good things. Like, like what kind of, I mean, what kind of reward system are we creating here? If, if the people who deserve things and get them like are, are looked down upon, like that's insane to me, you know? Um, I agree. And, Very and, true. So, and so I, I, I really, I, you know, even if there's, even if there's like a person I don't really like, you know, it obviously makes harder to root for someone who you think's a bad person. Um, uh, but, but, you know, funny is funny and hard work is hard work. And so I might like even hate, I may be like, ah, what a piece of shit, but like doing something right. Yeah. But, 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 but I'm, but I, I'm very against people being assholes. I think I'm, I've so always you're been an anti-asshole. Total anti-asshole, dude. I've never even tried anal. Um, I uh, Jeff loves it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's why I take um, him on the road. Yes, I. I, I love it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> that's 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 um, too weird, but yeah. <laughs> but 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 uh, but I, I I'm very anti that. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how far along you along you are. I hate people who talk down to new comics. I hate people like like dude like Colin Quinn is legitimately one of the nicest people. Yeah. Ever. David Tell is literally, I work with these guys all the time. They are the best. I mean, they're so nice. And it's like Colin Quinn and David Tell are nice. What excuse do you have to be arrogant? Or, so true. Like, are you kidding? Like, these are the two, two of the most brilliant comics, like, alive. And yeah, so, like, so true, man. It's, it's, I, I just, I never got behind it. I'm, I'm, I, I'm fully against it. And like, um, and, and I've always been, and I've always been this type where it's like, I felt like a lot of people were always trying to get into big crews. Like they'd be like, Oh, like I got to get into big J's crew or like, I have to get into like, you know, a tells crew or something. And, and I, I was like, and, and I love a tell and I, and I actually like big J too, but personally, but, 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 um, and on stage, but, but I was never like that. I was like, always like, who do I enjoy talking to? If I enjoy talking to this person, I'll talk to them. And if I don't enjoy talking to them, I won't. And I don't really care what their status is. And I don't like people who are social climbers. That bothers me so much. And I've had to like cut out friends kind of because I felt those qualities about them. I hate yeah, that. In the, long, in the long run, that is always going to benefit you. you know? um, listen, man, I, I couldn't be happier for you. Uh, I, I, I applaud and I root for your success. You know, it was great seeing you on the Tonight Show. Uh, appreciate you coming down and doing uh, this podcast and spending, you know, an hour with us, man. That was really cool. So thank you very much, Eric. You know, really do appreciate your time. Sean, oh, final oh, question. Absolutely, Jeff. And I love what? every time. 
I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's just every time I, I don't mean to cut you off. Just, every time I see you in a club, you know, you always, you always have such great vibes. You're such a warm dude. And, uh, and I always love seeing you. So, so it's a pleasure to, to be asked to do it. And I love being on it. Sean, hopefully, uh, Hopefully you won't just be a a banner in the background to me uh, for the rest of my life. Yeah, no, we're, we're gonna set something up, dude. This is this was a lot of fun. You're you're a good dude. You can tell right away. And Je- Jeff knows, like I bust his balls every goddamn week. Every week I bust his balls. But he is truly one of my dearest friends, you know. And I don't, I I understand what you were saying before. Like I kind of ride solo a little bit too, and I yeah. keep my circle very very small, very yeah. small. And Jeff's and Jeff's in my circle. You know, oh, no. so, and now you're there too. Now I can tell you guys love each other, man, and uh, and it, it's about you know shitting on friends is 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 oh yeah one of the best things in life, and uh, and and it's cool. But uh, but yeah, man, I'm so glad you guys had me, and I hope to work with you guys soon, man. Absolutely. Well, are you at the? Uh, wait, what are you doing tomorrow? Where are you? Tomorrow I'm doing nothing actually, and I'm kind of I'm going to say I'm going to a uh, Portland Helium on Wednesday, so I'm kind of actually taking after this week I have I'm kind of. Uh, I'm kind of just taking tonight, tomorrow, and uh, Tuesday night off. I'm just gonna like chill. Nice man, enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But if you're on the up east side, yeah, you know, like you live up there. Stop by the uh, strip tomorrow. Uh, TJ Miller's stopping by. Cool, awesome. Man. And Thanks. Jeffrey Paul. Well, I'm ho- I'm hosting it. Oh, so, oh, oh well, awesome. wow! Listen, I might I might actually leave my couch. I, I'm not. You leaving won't, my, I'm no not leaving my couch for that. There's no way on it. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much, you, and uh, we'll we'll see you soon. Good luck on your tour. Thanks, guys. Yeah, later, man, later. And we'll catch everybody next week on Who's Your Band. Take care, everyone. Later.